Welcome to Bring the Virtual Balance, a podcast by the Office of Health and Wellness at Baruch College. Our first episode is called Online Organize. Co-hosts Kat and Gabby spoke with our panel about a variety of topics such as work-life balance, mental health, and productivity during the quarantine. Our panel consists of Dr. Lynn Kaplan, Associate Director of the Baruch College Counseling Center, Laura Serrano, Founder and CEO of Feng Shui Manhattan, Elise, Office Coordinator of the Office of Health and Wellness at Baruch College, and Sandy Zhe, from the Undergraduate Student Government's Board of Directors at Baruch College. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Gabby. I am a co-host of Bring the Balance, a show presented by the Office of Health and Wellness at Baruch College. And I'm here joined today with my co-host, Kat. Hi, welcome back everyone. So for those who are new to Bring the Virtual Balance, we discuss a variety of topics as related to the eight dimensions of the wellness wheel with a focus on how each wellness component affects our student body. And today we are joined by our amazing panel uh, consisting of Dr. Lynn Kaplan, Associate Director of the Brew College Counseling Center, Laura Serrano, Founder and CEO of Feng Shui Manhattan, Elise, Office Coordinator of the Office of Health and Wellness at Brew College, and Sandy Zhe from USG's Board of Directors at Brew College. And we also have some responses from our friend at USG, Yam Yu Lee, our Vice President of Student Affairs at Brew College. And we're excited to begin our first episode of the semester, which is titled Online Organize, that will focus on a variety of topics such as work-life balance, mental health, and productivity during the quarantine. And let's begin with our first topic for the panel. So during this conversation, we refer to a workspace. Um, we're discussing any area a person spends time completing tasks. So this can be a desk, vehicle, a table, or a digital workspace. So for Laura, um, and also for the panel as well, if they would like to um, speak on it as well, what's the importance of creating a workspace? Um, simply put, the importance is just so you can have private space, better focus, uh, better consciousness, being more present with whatever task at hand that you're getting ready to do. Um, that would be my quick definition. <laughs> um, and then. Speaking to that as well, um, and if anyone in the panel would like to speak on that as well, um, what are some ways that we can change our physical workspaces to optimize our creativity? So I know for me, um, our productivity, I mean, I know for me, um, before my desk was cluttered with so many different um, papers and work. So how do you think, you know, that could be changed in order to optimize that productivity? Oh, wait, you know, you're muted. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if it's going to open it up to, to all people. No um, so, I mean, gosh, there's a lot of different ways you can approach this. I think what can begin the process of organizing your thoughts on how to organize the space is what do you essentially need the function of it to do? And what are you studying? Are you an artist? So usually if you're an artist, the space might be a bit more um, creative and also a bit more chaotic, but you understand the, <laughs> the organizational spatial awareness of that. So there's flexibility here. Or maybe you're a mathematician or a scientist 
or a doctor. Usually you need to be even more organized. So I find when it comes to organizing a space or delegating what it's going to be utilized for will depend on the uniqueness of that individual and the particular studies or whatever it is that they're, you know, either creating, focusing, writing, you know, are you a writer? Usually that requires maybe a little bit more organization or sometimes not. If you look at Einstein's desk, it was completely chaotic, but there was a rhythm and a purpose to it. Um, so those are some things that immediately come to mind is the functionality and then what is the purpose depending on who you are. Mm -hmm. And then I'll, I'll gladly pass it on to others. <laughs> well, I know um, one of the things that when you said that uh, sparked my mind was the method to the madness. Um, and I noticed that for me, that's changed as I've gotten older. I know for me, when I was doing assignments when I was younger, maybe in high school, I kind of preferred to have notes everywhere, books open and stuff. And like now that I'm in college, um, it's kind of changed a bit. I prefer more clean, organized spaces if my notes are on the desk and I like them categorized of like how I might need them. Um, just because that's kind of how my brain works now and it likes to operate. So there's definitely a method to like how I want to kind of complete things now. If anyone else in the panel would like to speak to that as well. If not, no, it's too yeah. yeah. I can mm -hmm. share. Yeah. Um, I, when I uh, am, um, you know, entering my, my workspace, I have to make sure that there is, there is like no visible clutter. So if my bedroom is um, my workspace for the day because uh, the other space is uh, being taken um, by other family members, then um, I have to make sure that um, I don't, you know, have any clothes laying around, that the clothes are away, that, you know, my work area is my work area. So I take uh, a few moments to, you know, put the laundry away, to do those things so that mentally I feel, you know, um, like at peace. And I'm able to proceed with um, my, uh, you know, my uh, non-home work. Mm -hmm. If there's homework, you know, work that we do at home that's related to work and school, and then work that we do, uh, you know, for um, ourselves, you know, for the maintenance of the home. That's what I do. Yeah, and I think, you know, that, you know, I think what we all have in common is that it's functionality, right? Like, what is the purpose of, you know, these certain items in the desk? And I think it relates to our next question for Laura with the practice of feng shui, right? Because feng shui focuses also a lot on, um, on functionality. But how can we use feng shui for not only our workspaces, but even for the rest of our homes as well? Yeah, so, I mean, it's... Um... Once again, it will depend on the individual and will bring it more to the conversation of your intention. So your conscious focus, right? Um, but the way that feng shui can offer, let's say, a platform of uh, better energy could be as simple as just creating balance, harmony, better, even better breathing. You can even get into the conversation of your own body. So feng shui, a lot of times people don't realize that it does pull from traditional Chinese medicine. So it's considered one of the, um, I believe the five pillars of it. It's the last one on the on the chart, if you will. But 
what they basically say is even how you breathe. So that was one of the thoughts that were coming into mind with cultivating that space is, are you doing meditation, self-care, those type of aspects? And then whatever's happening on the inside of yourself, that will be an extension and um, projected into the exterior environment of where you're living, working, um, healing, what have you. So it's, I know I'm giving a very broad overview because that's what it is because depending on each person that's when it becomes extremely unique but the main takeaway the benefits that I've heard from people and experienced myself is essentially I feel calmer I feel more focused I feel more connected to the people in my environment even if I have to share and divvy up the space which most of us are doing even more so now even if you're you're married or you have brothers and sisters now you're spending even more time <laughs> within each other's you know energy field because that's the other thing is your energy field if you're someone who doesn't take care of self and doesn't give time to replenish that energy field is going to be disrupted you're going to have either what we'll call wrinkles or openings so that makes it easier for you to get triggered emotionally or mentally with everyone else who's in the space so when we adopt feng shui and the principles really the lifestyle into our home and our well-being it's teaching us how to create the most of whatever space we have on a literal and on a energetic, emotional, mental, spiritual level. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anyone else has a... <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think that actually does kind of connect into our next topic, uh, which is the effects of disorganization. So I know we touched on maybe the functionality and our purposes of our spaces. For some people, it might be better to be in what I would see as maybe a bit of disarray. But for someone, that's how they intend to use their space and that's how they get the most out of their space. But when our spaces are not reflecting how we work best, um, disorganization can affect your productivity. So your workspace, when it's piled high with tasks or an email box that is full to capacity with unanswered messages, is going to have the complete opposite effect on what you're looking to do um, and your mental hygiene because the first thing you're thinking is you're overwhelmed or you don't know where to start or how to start. So kind of figuring out ways to kind of reclaim your space is a great way to take control of your situation. Um, and then it also, disorganization affects your mental health. So disorganization clutter can contribute to feelings of being, as I said, overwhelmed and stressed but even angry, anxious, sad, or confused. Um, and studies have also shown that being cluttered or disorganized can increase cortisol, which is the stress hormone, and can trigger your flight or flight response. So that can leave you also feeling restless, tense, or uneasy most of the time. Yeah, I can definitely speak to that. I know before I figured out how to, you know, different ways to digitally declutter, I remember just feeling just like the stress and not really finding that outlet for me to be like, where can I even start over? You know, even if I wanted to do a clean slate, um, I wasn't able to find that. And I think that also leads into our next topic of how can we digitally declutter, you know? So for me, I love to use Google Calendar. It's my best friend. I know we all love to use it as well. Um, apps like Trello or Notion, or even Slack can help us kind of organize. I know for college students, we can organize our syllabi, our documents, our presentations. Um, and usually that leads to, you know, looking at documents which we need to delete or kind of declutter. And I know for me, I have what's called just-in-case syndrome. So it's just like I can see 
X amount of documents and I'm just like, maybe, do I really need that presentation from freshman year and I'm a senior now? You know, do I really need those documents? So by getting over that just in case syndrome, you can have a hard drive or a backup file or a flash drive. So just in case you may need it for some reason, you have it there. But even that action of deleting or removing, for me, I just feel this sense of relief. I'm just like, oh, I can get, I have more space to figure out. Um, other files that may need more priority. So for the panel, what are some things that you have done to digitally declutter, whether it be getting, you know, an app to help you or just deleting documents? What have what have you guys done? I can go for it. <laughs> <laughs> for me, um, definitely what's helped me out a lot is going into my Google Drive and really looking at things that I've had. I've had this Google Drive folder since high school and I have a lot of my high school things left over that to be honest even Google is telling me I haven't opened since 2015. So um, a big part of it is going into there and categorizing where things need to be so that I don't have documents everywhere anymore and then really removing the ones that I don't need anymore. Um, I think for me, one thing that's really important is organizing my email, kind of deleting things that I don't need and making folders for things that, you know, might want to access again. I think that's been really helpful for me. And then it's easier to find things in my email and doesn't feel so overwhelming. So that's one thing I've been doing. Yeah, I've been doing the same thing. I've actually, uh, you know, been deleting and um, I've also um, backed up um, my files so just in case anything happens so I can have that and uh, again uh, you know uh, really organizing my my Google Calendar and um, reviewing for me I'm the type of person that I I like to review and even though this is not di digitally decluttering but I like to you know um, review the day before um on my on my calendar um what i will have to do that day and then from that point on i would you know delete things that i don't need and before what i used to do um a couple of years ago instead of like writing down things i used to be like look look at what i didn't finish yesterday but then what's the point because then if i don't finish the things that i need to do today and think I could do them tomorrow, that's, I think, the, the supreme definition of procrastination. So I don't do that anymore. And I make sure that I finish the things that I am able to do on my list. And then whatever I can do, then I physically write down, okay, I couldn't get to the bank today. So that would be like the first thing I would do um, tomorrow. But yeah, uh, and it feels good to delete. It feels good. Like, you know, you know how it feels good when you clean your house or your bathroom or you do your laundry and then you put the laundry away. Like, I don't know. It gives you this sense of control. Mm -hmm. And at time that, like, we don't really have control, really, of the future, it's good to be able to set some type of control on the minute things in your life that you're able to um, have control over. Yeah, so um, I think it's actually really great that you brought up um, kind of the areas of control because for some of us, working from home has brought many unprecedented changes to our lifestyle. And there's difficulties that arise with managing your time, organizing your digital and your physical workspaces, 
and even setting those boundaries with working with others. So my next question is for Lynn. Um, how has working remotely impacted your mental health? And if so, in what way? Well, I think it's a really good question. It's really important to think about. And working remotely has definitely impacted me. And I had to really make um, big efforts to make sure that it actually wouldn't impact my mental health. I really found it isolating at first. And I had to kind of figure out how to get my needs met for connection, both, you know, really with people at work, because I really like kind of going next door to talk to my boss all day or, you know, down the corridor, seeing other people in the office um, and, and also with friends. You know, just making sure that I'm connecting with friends and family more. So that was something that I really had to be very purposeful about with everything going on with the COVID. And the other thing is, at first, I really wasn't good at keeping boundaries between work and home very well. I definitely was working too late and kind of letting it bleed over into my personal time. Um, and I really had to make a conscious effort to change that. And, you know, put away, I, I set up and put away my equipment every day because I work in my kitchen. So when it's put away, it's great because it's over and I, you know, I can't access it. So that's wonderful. And then um, just for my mental health, I also realized that I needed to get exercise. So I started, I didn't, I didn't want to go out really, especially at the beginning. So I'd just been pacing around my house 10,000 steps a day. And, you know, I listen to a podcast or talk on the phone with someone, but I've actually gotten used to it and it, I feel really good. I being that active. So that's been really important for my mental health too. Yeah, a big area for me has been the physical. I definitely need to do a bit more in making sure that I'm keeping myself active. What I do like to do is if I find that I've been sitting for too long or in one space for too long, that I get up and stretch or maybe do something that actually requires me to move around a bit. So this might be me taking my laundry downstairs so I go up the stairs. Um, but something more active, I should probably, I would like to work into my routine doing walks or I don't know about running, but maybe a light jog. <laughs> um, but my next question is, how can we set boundaries while working from home with ourselves when it comes to work, technology, and our mental health? And this question is for Elise. Um, well, personally, what I have done is I... I have um, developed the ability to set limits um, in my workspace. So when I'm in one particular area where I'm working, that's where I do my work. And when I leave that space, that's mentally, I know that, okay, I have like my five minute break and um, that's like where my meditation technique comes in, where I'm able to just like, you know, think and breathe and not get anxious and not get stressed and think about all the things that I have to do on my list. And then, uh, you know, decompress and return to um, the work area. Um, I do not allow um, lack of space or any you know, new um, obstacle that comes about to um, adversely have an effect on on my, my behavior because I found out that that doesn't really help and all it really does is just increases my stress, it increases my anxiety. So I pretty much like, you know, flow with it. Uh, when we first began uh, our shelter in, I found that I couldn't, um, terminate my, my, my work mentality. So it was 
you know, sometimes nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And I had the laptop in my bed and I was looking at emails. And then I enjoyed that because I, I enjoy my work and I like getting back to people. And this is just my nature. However, when I feel that, oh, I'm going to be burning out, I don't do that. Like, so now some Saturdays I do check my email and some Saturdays I don't. Um, but if I know that there is an important email coming in, I know myself. I don't wait till Monday. I, I check my email on Saturday because I don't like that feeling of Monday is work and I have like 500 emails. I, I prefer to like check it intermittently. So in that way, I have this illusion that I control, you know, the workflows. So that helps me. And also the way I've set limits uh, is also through meditation because, you know, research has been done on meditation, which states that practicing it, even if it's just five minutes a day, it decreases your stress, it decreases your anxiety, it improves your emotional awareness, and it also allows you to be more conscious and to have more control over your actions. So this allows me also to set limits uh, with my work and with my leisure. And the beautiful thing about uh, meditation is that I've set a space where I meditate and I only meditate there. And that is something that I look forward to, um, you know, by the window, the sunlight coming in. Well, there was no sunlight today, but then I still hear the beautiful, you know, rhythmic sounds of the pitter-patter of the rain and, and that's calming in a, in a way because we haven't had sunlight the past three days however we've had rain and you know I thrive in the sun but there's also beauty in the clouds and there's also beauty in the rain and so that allows me to you know switch on and off our work and not work does that help yeah um one of the things that is kind of really great is that the Office of Health and Wellness is also working on another program. This is a shameless plug um, about technically in a relationship <laughs> um, where we kind of discuss like work-life balance and relations and impact on our technology and how for most of us, um, we're kind of going from Zoom call to Zoom call to Zoom call to, to Netflix at night. So are we really giving ourselves those time to really sit with ourselves and, you know, check on our eye health, make sure you're getting your stretch in. So something, if our audience is interested in, that will be something that's upcoming soon. Um, but our next question is how we can use time management and organization strategies for our self-care. Thank you for Lynn. Yeah, so, yeah, I think, you know, everything that we've discussed so far is definitely helpful. And having specific time management and organizational strategies are just so important, especially when we're now reachable 24-7 on our devices. And like we've all said, working from home is really blurring the boundaries between uh, home and work that used to naturally exist, you know. So this can you know, really lead people to feel like they need to keep doing things. And, you know, maybe you want to, which is fine. But also, you know, I think it's really important to take time for ourselves and for our self-care, you know. Um, so, and talking about self-care, I just wanted to just start out by saying that that word has become like kind of like a buzzword, and I'm not even sure people really agree on the definition, so I just wanted to share my definition 
of self-care. And for me, self-care is any activity that we engage in to take care of our personal needs and well-being. So that can be breathing, mindfulness activities, you know, like meditation, like we discussed, exercise, writing, drawing, talking with friends, playing sports for fun, you know, anything um, that, that you're doing that's just for you and that makes you feel good, right? Um, so now to address some strategies for organizational and self-management, you know, when we have a lot of things to do, we can feel overwhelmed. I know it happens to me if I have like a whole lot of things on my plate that day, you know, I starting the morning maybe just feeling overwhelmed. So what's really important is um, not to have everything on your to-do list, right? Um, because sometimes if there's too many things there, you just get paralyzed and you just don't want to do anything at all. You might just want to go take a nap, you know? Um, so for me, self-care and time management go hand in hand. And what I recommend is creating a schedule for yourself uh, for when you'll work and when you'll take breaks for self-care or fun activities. And, you know, some people like to create these, like, lovely calendars with lots of different colors, or you could use your Google, you know, calendar or whatever, you know, works for you. Some people like a whiteboard. You know, everyone is unique. Um, and then, you know, make a plan for how you get the work done. So if you have, like, a large project or a large task that has to get done, I would really recommend breaking it down into small parts so that you can feel like um, you can keep achieving a smaller task, and that makes it more manageable. So... For me, um, I like to, you know, write things down on paper and then I can check things off. You could use a digital list, you know, anything, any way you want. But if you have, you know, break your larger tasks down into chunks, put a few down every day and, you know, just knock it off. And then you'll, you'll feel good, like at least that earlier, like when you clean up your laundry, you know, you feel good about it. Um, and then if you have many smaller things to do, you know, really prioritize that list. You know, figure out like one have to item on your list and and make sure you do that. And then put a few others that are also, you know, important to do, but maybe aren't the have-to item for that day. Um, make a list of, like, three or four things and then, you know, check or cross off or, you know, digitally delete whatever, you know, each each task when you're finished. And research has shown that our brain releases the neurotransmitter dopamine, and dopamine is a neurotransmitter that makes us feel good. Um, so when we cross things off, we actually get a little bump of that dopamine and we're actually really feeling, you know, good. So physiologically, so that can really keep you motivated as you're working on, you know, smaller tasks or even smaller parts of a larger project. And then um, one more thing I wanted to share is it's so important to focus on one thing at a time. As research has really shown that um, we are much less effective when we try to multitask. And then just make sure to take your self-care and fun breaks. It can really be tempting to just, you know, let me just finish that email after 5 o'clock, but then it's 5.30 or 5.45 when you're, you know, look up at the clock. So, you know, it's important to stop, you know, at 5 o'clock or at your scheduled break and remember that focusing on yourself and doing things that help you feel relaxed and recharge is just as important as getting your work done because the more you feel good and strong in yourself, the more you'll have energy to get your work done and you'll do it more efficiently and effectively. So, yeah, those are my recommendations. Yeah, I can definitely speak to, you know, getting things done. Like I say 5.30 and then it's nine o'clock and it's still not done. Like I remember I had to work on like a project for something and I even stayed up till like 1.30 in the morning just finishing because I was like, I can get it done. I can get it done. But like understanding that, like, you know, creating that hard boundary and kind of like the difference between like a soft and a hard boundary, right? Like when are some things that like for 
just you know that you have to stop and then there are certain things where you can keep going for a bit but just keeping that check for you so it's like a gauge you know you're like gauging what you can and cannot do and then even you know when you're working with people too you it like reminded me that I was like I know I can't work till 1am on a project so if I'm in a group of people and we all establish that that's a boundary for us that like we'll stop at 12 or we'll stop at 11 then it makes our process more seamless and it could definitely you know make that better so yeah I definitely can speak to that yeah that's definitely something that I've actually brought into my group projects um one is I always like to discuss when we're doing our group charter is that I don't work on Saturdays or Sundays and I don't do anything after six at the latest so if we need to coordinate meetings, if we need to, you know, do an assignment or for a deadline, we need to have that discussion beforehand so I can plan ahead. So what you need from me is always done before the weekend because I know I won't do it over the weekend. Um, another thing that I like to do is my phone is almost constantly on do not disturb if I'm doing work. Um, and it sets itself up for before my bedtime at midnight, one hour before it goes on do not disturb again so that I'm not getting text messages or messages from my friends. And the only time it can come off that is if you call me, which is not very common for people to call each other anymore. But then I would know it's an emergency. And for me, that's kind of helped me balance the amount of times that I'm checking my phone or responding to text messages not at one o'clock in the morning or that it's not waking me up in the middle of the night either. Um, but some additional tips for creating and implementing work-life balance can be setting expectations. So effective time management for work at home starts with creating some ground rules for your family, yourself, and your friends in advance. Uh, one of those rules should always start to be discussing your work hours in advance as well. This will keep you guys from working too much or working too little, but also help you guys kind of negotiate when we're going to be using our spaces. I know for me, like, my partner is early riser and then he has majority of the day, so I have to be quiet during those times if we're sharing the space, then for me, he knows that if I have a meeting upcoming that he'll do his headphones so that we're not making noise over each other. Um, and that's worked for us. Then also for my space, minimizing distractions has helped. As I said, my phone's on do not disturb when I'm working so that I don't have to feel like I need to check every two seconds. Um, and that can help me. Um, I don't really have too much on my desk anymore. I only have my monitor and then my cup of coffee or tea if I'm doing that. Um, just to minimize the amount of things that are on my desk. Because I know for me, I'll feel like, oh, there's too many things on my desk, time to get cleaning. And then that's me procrastinating. Yeah. And then, oh, sorry, Gabby, go ahead. No, no, you're good. Um, and then I think for me, I was just going to speak to like also having that workspace as well. So like I used to have my desk next to my bed. And I was like, I can work, but also my bed is right there and I can just take a quick like 15 minute nap and then I can come back. So for me, it was really difficult to do that. And I eventually like, I couldn't do it myself. So I actually had to move. So now where I am right now is actually my living room, like my porch ish. So even for some folks, like if you're not able to have like that workspace in your bed or like in your bedroom, um, think of maybe switching to like your kitchen or your um your dining room because sometimes having that neutral space where like your family resides sometimes can help with that as well because I've also seen it not work because then it's be like my dining room desk and it's like no so you know <laughs> finding that balance with yourself I think is also really important and if you have to move to a place in your house that works then uh definitely do that so yeah that was what I was gonna say 
And then my question is actually for Lynn. So what I know you discussed self-care a bit, um, but what are some quick strategies that you can give to our audience? So, um, so quick strategies really, uh, one is making that commitment to yourself, you know, for self-care and, you know, really sticking by that commitment to yourself. Um, the next one is, you know, if you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed, um, really using diaphragmatic breathing, which is just belly breathing. Um, that can be done anytime. And there's so many different techniques to use. And just remember, um, when you're doing breathing, so now that we're adults, we tend to kind of breathe up from our chest. But really, the best way to breathe and the most relaxing way to breathe is through your belly. And if you look at a baby, you'll see that they breathe through their belly. You know, just kind of take a look at them breathing. And they're breathing the natural way. So we have to kind of relearn that. Um, and we have a lot of tips and techniques on the Counseling Center website. So you can take a look at that in the resource area. And I really can tell you that um, just taking a few minutes, if you're feeling you know, agitated or triggered or overwhelmed, just taking a few minutes to just sit and close your eyes and do deep belly, slow breathing can really be helpful. And then, um, you know, sit down and brainstorm things for yourself that you like to do and incorporate those into self-care, right? Whether that's exercise, phone calls with friends, puzzles, hobbies, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, you know, I've taken up yoga, I've taken up doing puzzles, but there's so many different things that I think people are trying now during the quarantine, but you know, make that commitment to yourself. That's the most important. Yeah, and I, and I think that... Sorry. Um, and then I think, you know, that that definitely speaks to, again, like emphasizing that workspace, right? And also just making sure that it's separate from everything. And I know I kind of spoke to that um, earlier, but, you know, if your workspace is in that dining room or it's in that kitchen, kind of like what Lynn, you mentioned that you pack up your equipment so that you know that you're done. And that is super important. Like for me, like, I know that this area is my workspace, so I like I have my monitor, I have my keyboard, my laptop, but like I know that when I'm in this space, I am only being productive and that's it, you know? Or at least I try to be, because sometimes I'll be on my phone, but that's that's something else. But um, you know, having having that workspace that is dedicated to work only can like help your brain kind of remember that routine, you know, because we're all, you know, we love a good routine. I know I do. So if your brain always remembers that when you're in this space is where you work and then you get out of it is where you don't, it's easier to maintain that balance as well. Um, and then also that leads into organizing it, right? So if you're, you know, I know for all of us, we like a clean desk, we don't like too much on it. So having that um, space, you know, it's, it's a way that it helps that productivity. And even for other spaces of the home as well, um, if you organize it and you keep it clean, um, it's a way for us to kind of boost up that like that, that good happy hormone so that we're just like, ah, oh, yes, a clean space. Um, and speaking of spaces as well, I know um, a lot of things that have been um, really rising in popularity are Zen spaces, right? So Elise, you mentioned that you do have a space for yourself for meditation as well. Um, so how how can you, uh, first of all, how did you modify your space for it to be a Zen space for your meditation? And, and we would love if you can um, speak to how other folks can also create Zen spaces as well for that. Absolutely. Um, well, the beauty of meditation is that, you know, you can do it anywhere. So if you, uh, if you do have uh, the ability to designate uh, a space in your, in your house or in your apartment or wherever you are, and, you know, 
um, you know, you would bring either a chair if you're going to be, you know, doing a meditation sitting down or a yoga mat if you're going to be doing it while you're laying down. And then, you know, I have personally, I have like, um, like a candle and I have, um, you know, um, some um, like succulent plants that I got. Um, you know, for uh, Day the Dead, they sell like these special types of, um, you know, uh, skulls. So I use that to decorate my little space. Anything that um, pertains to any of your likes that you would like to have inspire you. And if you don't have um, the ability to designate a specific space, you can um, meditate anywhere because it's in your mind. You know, the main thing is to just detach from everything and just like focus on your breath and um, go from there. And you know, if you have distractions, like right now, I just got distracted by. <laughs> uh, what can you do? You have to kind of just, um, you know, go with it. And uh, just, uh, it's part of the journey. It, these experiences that we're having right now are part of our evolution as a person. So we should take all of these moments as learning experiences and um, make them, uh, allow them to make us a better person. As you guys can see, I'm being, I'm happy. I'm not even going to complain. The sun is trying to blind me right now. The sun, is, out. The sun is coming in. I'm excited. Um, yeah. But I do want to also direct this question to Laura um, of how we can make, go about creating these minimal zen spaces. Yeah, so um, I'm just going to jump off what Elise was saying because, and we're just going to roll call through it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the first thing is as soon as you walk into your space, what's the, the first impression that you get emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, right? We're tapping into all four conversations. And then like what Elise was saying, observe the surroundings in turn of what visuals are influencing you. Are they motivating you? Are they inspiring you? Are they lifting you up? Or are they something that's subconsciously pulling you down? And sometimes people forget to look at this because there is a consciousness and a certain energy that will tug at you and pull at you. And just kind of um, going back a little from when we were talking about decluttering digitally and also just decluttering in general, um, in the world of energy, feng shui, and other healing modalities, we also talk about energy cords. So these energy cords are something that you can't necessarily see, though some people may have the ability to see them, but you can absolutely feel them. And how do you know if you're getting a symptom from an energy cord? Let's say uh, a friend or a spouse or whoever gifted you something, a card, or even sent you a text message or an email. When you click on that or open it or read it or, or just display it in your home, that's gonna send a certain pulsation of frequency and energy throughout the space. And if it's something on a higher frequency, we'll just use the word good, then it's going to create a good resonance. If it's something that's on a lower frequency where you see or read or, or listen to something and it makes you upset or angry, then it's going to pull you down. So everything in your environment that you see and that you can't see is going to influence you. And going back to the artwork now, 
um, yeah, just take a roll call. Like I used with this image, we have the white wolf. Some people like wolves, some people don't like wolves. But you can take it to the next level and say, what's the story behind this image that I decided to display or this sculpture? So just to kind of give you a visual tour of what's in my office right now, obviously you can see plants, you can see wolves. Behind me is also my diploma. And that's another thing, whether you're a student or accomplished individual, if you wrote a book or in the process of that, allowed to be displayed, um, all these things are going to contribute to supporting that subconscious focus and the conscious focus at the same time and also lift your emotions and everything else that comes with it. Um, other things that you can potentially have in your space to offer support, and this could be the overall home too, could even be um, particular books that you're interested in learning. So obviously that relates to knowledge, intellect, all that good stuff. But you can also think about books as making an exchange. So anything that you've already received, maybe you can gift that to somebody else and make room for new knowledge. So see every interaction and action and behavior as contributing to the energy that you're depositing into your home and your space. And then the next area is, um, again, any accomplishments, that's always helpful. And family photos. Now that can sometimes be a tricky topic depending on the relationship dynamics. So what I say to this, I'll give you some options. The family photos can be literal and just make sure, again, that emotional tug at the heart with who you see in the photo is going to be a benefit to you and nurturing and supportive. This is super important. In feng shui, we have different areas that make up this conversation of life. In particular, there are, some will say eight, some will say nine. Either way, the area of family literally, literally relates to the roots of your ancestors and the support. So you can even display images, if you so choose, of people who are deceased, as long as they're supportive to your journey in this life. So for me, because my business, uh, Feng Shui Manhattan, started with my mom, and she unfortunately is deceased, I'm going to have some photos. I'm going to have things that resemble that energy to support that focus and trajectory of where we're evolving and going. Um, other things that you can do is you can bring in certain scents or aromas. So one of them could be frankincense. And this is said, and you can do your own research, but according to some things I found on Google, <laughs> um, they say this is to help lower anxiety. And even some studies have said it can serve as an antidepressant. So just do your own research and test it out yourself. Another great aroma to have is peppermint. And this will be the opposite. This will actually put a pep in your step. <laughs> this will give you get you know better uh, effectivity and, and focus and whatever it is that you're doing. So it will wake you up essentially. And if you can't get the actual, in this case, um, diffused oil, you can just buy the plant or the herb rather itself, and you can have that in your house. So that would be excellent. And the last one I'll give you today is rosemary, and this one is to help create a stronger. Um, connection to your concentration and also for memory. So you might as well just test these guys out and see what combination or what particular scent works. So you can use a diffuser, you can put a little, you know, on your wrist or however you want to apply it. That's up to you. Um, other things you can do could be music. I personally like to listen to non-lyrical music. I'm an interstellar fan. So any type of spacey, type of sounds, especially when I'm working on long summaries or, or reports, 
I need to just go really deep into the mind. And so that I just put the headphones on and just zoom in for hours. And then yes, you want to take your breaks accordingly. But think about the different music that inspires you. If it's something that you feel you need more energy, maybe it's more rhythm. Um, if it's something that needs to go more subconscious, you know, deeper into thought, you find those type of beats, jazz, classical, any of those guys work really well. The next thing is um, look for a comfortable chair. I know it's common sense, but sometimes we tend to hunch over a lot. So energetically speaking, the more erect our spine is, the more aligned our chakras will be, which also means the more openness we'll have for the energy to flow throughout our entire body. And when that happens, like what Lynn was talking about with breathing, this is like breathing for your energy field. So don't crowd yourself, let your shoulders be back, your head be up and tall. And that's going to help also keep a stronger focus. Um, and by having that comfortable chair, this is a little segue in the world of feng shui, we'll even have certain terminologies for what we're doing and what we're using. So in feng shui, we have what's called the armchair position. And this is usually reserved for a building or a land plot. But in this case, we can shrink it down to the focus of our workspace. So what this literally translates into is saying that we have such a supportive chair that it literally has the arms on both left and right sides. And so that we are now establishing a command position, which leads us into that conversation of when we talk about having a command position of the body, we also want to have a command position, meaning a clear vantage point of who's coming in to our actual workspace. And this goes to the next level of symbolic representation of saying, I can clearly see opportunities that are going to be worth investing my time in versus somebody possibly taking advantage, also being more clear with my decision making. So all these things will facilitate into that type of Zen environment. And then we have, which I see some of us have, the inclusion of real plants. So as you can see, I have a nice big chunk, you know, chunky one right here. So <laughs> this is the uh, what we call the rubber, the rubber tree, a rubber plant. And this actually just kind of looping, showing how the words can interact. This plant, when I first acquired it, it was super tiny and it came from my grandma after she passed away. So we have the lineage of Grandma Rose still growing in the house at the same time. So it, you can have these beautiful poetic um, exchanges, or you could just say, I have a plant and that's it. <laughs> so whatever you like. The next thing, which we just had the beautiful uh, example with all this natural sunlight coming, right? Just glaring on your face. It's like, I need to get to you. <laughs> so I did. Um, so opening up the blinds, pulling back the curtains. This is also a great way to increase study. Um, and they have done research with this in California where they've done research with students in different high schools and the students who were able to receive more natural sunlight and daylight, they actually scored higher on their test. And you can Google that. It's very interesting. So this is not made up woo-woo. This is truth. <laughs> um, and then naturally, when if you don't have allergies, you can open up your windows, let natural air flow. So we talked about air filters. If you happen to be in a basement apartment or something like that, Having that airflow is super important. And like what Lynn was referencing, it's going to also refer to just the breathing within the building itself. Super, super important. Uh, let me see. I just want to make sure I hit all the points. Okay, last thing is to clear the energy of your space. So by opening windows, 
opening the blinds, that's one aspect. If you want to take it to a more ritualistic approach, you can use white sage, you can use um, sandalwood, anything that will give that beautiful aroma where you physically light it if possible. And you go around the entire workspace of your home, that individual room or the whole room, and or the whole home rather, and just have the intention of I'm clearing out the energy of any stagnation. Whatever that stagnation is, it could be emotional buildup, mental confusion, whatever. Um, but the intention is that you're helping to capture that energy that is a lower vibration and simply release it. And as you do that, do allow the windows to be cracked open a little bit because that's going to uh, signify to your mind there's an exchange happening and just keep your, your focus you know, on the positive just to keep this conversation simple. So that in a nutshell is what we recommend. Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm like a sponge. I'm just absorbing all this information. This is so great. Thank you so much, Laura. And I think um, there are, again, so many points that we all could speak to, right? So many different, you know, ways with, you mentioned with sense, you mentioned with energies, you mentioned with space. Like I know back at the office, we had a tiny little diffuser. And I remember a lot of folks would come in and they'll be like, why does it smell like so like it, it, like there's so much vitality there's so much energy and we're like yep that's the peppermint <laughs> that's actually it working so it was it was really yeah I mean all of all of your points are just so important and uh yeah I was just I was just like yeah I'm just I'm just gonna listen to everything so yeah yeah one of the things that I did introduce is I have my little bamboo plant right here she's arrived and thriving but I also introduced three new plants so we have three over there not entirely sure what one of them is called, but one of them we call, they're from Trinidad, um, we call it Wonder of the World. And then I have a pomegranate tree growing. And as of right now, she's going into slumber, so her leaves are falling apart, but I have hope for her. She's gonna be okay in the summer. <laughs> but um, as you said, I like to have my blinds open so that the space feels warm and inviting, and then having the windows open so that it is a little bit crisper in here. Um, right before you have to put on sweaters and stuff, that way you feel awake. Sometimes if it's too warm for me, I start feeling like bedtime. So for me, that kind of helps keeping the old, the air in here a bit cooler. Yeah, and I think too, um, going back to what you mentioned about the art as well. So like I have my plants, I have my little globe here. I have like the hear no evil, speak no evil. So like for me, that is like super important. Um, and then I also have a piano. So, you know, bringing even like however big or however small, you know, whatever is important to you, kind of going back where you were saying, like having, making sure that your emotional, spiritual connection to the pieces that you have in your room are functional. You know, you don't want to have something, you know, I think um, the piece that you mentioned about family photos is super important because I think for a lot of folks, we think, oh yeah, it's our family. You know, we want to have, you know, um, you know, some memory of them as well, but you also have to consider the relationship that the individual has with the family. Sometimes, you know, family is not a good one and you have to take that into consideration as well. So I liked that, um, that piece that you mentioned about that as well. Um, I, I think that can also lead to our um, second part of this conversation, which is organizing time, right? Because, you know, we there there is not enough hours in the day, I'd like to say, um, to get everything done. But um, time management starts with, with scheduling. So Kat mentioned, you know, setting your work hours in advance, setting, you know, for me, I have 
breaks in my calendar that I'm like, I know from, you know, 12 to 1.15 or I have to take a lunch. Sometimes it'll be a working lunch, but, you know, knowing that that um, that break that, that I have is something that I actually tend to look forward to as well, you know? So um, what are some ways that we can manage our time effectively? It's by using those practical tools. So email management, I know um, there's, for me, I have my email organized. So it's like not just my inbox, because otherwise there'd be like a thousand emails, but I have, you know, uh, emails pertaining to school, emails pertaining to like, you know, uh, stores that I have to buy. Sometimes I'll have to unsubscribe because I no longer, you know, use um, those emails anymore. So by having that management, and for a lot of folks that might be a little bit difficult but it's a practice you know you have to learn to do I really need this do I really need that um, save it put it aside don't even worry about deleting yet if you still have that like withdrawal that you're like what if I need it back you know sometimes by putting it in a folder that it's out of our inbox it can give us like that you know that happy hormone like yes one less thing to worry about as well um, and also sometimes uh, there's apps on the phone as well if you're kind of too much on technology so another plug for our upcoming technically in a relationship program, um, we talk about uh, the screen time app on our iPhones and some um, Android um, have their own version of it as well. I have that on my phone because I tend to like Netflix on my phone or YouTube while I'm, you know, eating lunch or something. Um, but then my phone will will remind me, be like, hey, you have, you know, 15 minutes left to watch this show um, before we, you know, before we end it for today. And for me, that's like, a, it's, it's a nice, you know, wake up call, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to get back to work, you know, and it, it leads to that like wind down of like, okay, I'm going back from being distracted or being, you know, watching the show to being productive. So that's another um, tip as well. And then I think um, actually we'd love if Sandy can speak to this as well uh, for creating and maintaining a, a routine because um, you you mentioned to us that uh, there are certain aspects of working in your office or in class that you miss. So what are some things that you've done to kind of establish that routine for yourself at home? Um, so for me, I usually work in the living room. Mm -hmm. Like, I cannot work in my bedroom. I currently am in my bedroom because um, that space is occupied right now. But I usually work in the living room, and it's, like, really bright there because the windows and the blinds are always open. So in the living room, I'm able to work better because I'm not near my bed, and I just, like... And for me, I usually have um, a, t a window open for, like, my school tabs. Or, like, I, like, tend to, like clutter up a lot of tabs, but I try to like divide my tabs for like school and then like personal use. And then when I'm done with like using the tabs for my schoolwork, I usually tend to close all of them and try to minimize the amount of tabs I have. So like I don't clutter up a lot of tabs and have a lot of tab looking because like sometimes it bothers me when there's like too many tabs on my window. I'm just like, oh no, it's like way too many tabs. So that's what I do. So oh, that's and that's been pretty effective for me for for now, yeah. Yeah, I think I can definitely speak to the tabs part. I sometimes feel like my mind is that way, where like there's so many tabs opening, you don't know where the music is coming from, so you're like, where? What's happening? So I can definitely speak to that as well. Yeah, a big part for me, especially with the digital workspaces, is kind of learning that okay. I like to stop all my assignments pretty early around the day, so I try to get them out of the way early. Um, but because it's midterms week and papers are kind of due, I've been kind of pushing the limits on that. So, like, 8 o'clock is my hard limit right now. And once the sun is over, I, I don't really want to be working on anything anymore. 
But for me, it's been a really big deal of like making sure that I close everything out. So if I need the link that I put it on the documents, I can return it later, but then I can close the tab. Because it's very stressful and overwhelming for me is to come back next day on my desktop and then I see like a hundred tabs open. I'm like, I don't even remember where I started yesterday. So for me, that's kind of really helpful to have that kind of closing down, shut it down and have it available for later if I don't need to close it entirely. Yeah, I think also um, one thing we're going to share um, with what Yami uh, mentioned with just overall, like how she's also been during this quarantine and also that um, absence of routine as well that, you know, we are no longer in. Um, she said that there were many challenges at the beginning, but it's been okay. Um, I, she says that she does miss her daily coffee and boba tea run, though, in the city, um, that where she is in Jersey City, there aren't many uh, locations as well. So we are sending you many, many, many boba and coffee runs, hopefully, Yami. Um, but many of us can can empathize with missing our old routines, right? I know for me, I, I'm so sad I can't get my Starbucks run before I go into school, um, before I go on campus. So for um, Elise, we wanted to know, while working from home, how can we encourage ourselves to complete our daily tasks without distraction or even worse, burnout? Um, I, I'm a firm believer in positive reinforcement. So I feel that for each um, you know, task that you've done uh, to reward yourself to something uh, at the end of the day, it could be maybe like uh, listening to a playlist that like you're really into. It could be maybe like, I don't know, a small piece of chocolate if you feel like you've earned it. You know, uh, it's different for everybody. Um, personally, for me, it's like I really like uh, pencil cases and I like pens. So it's anything that will motivate you to feel good about what you've accomplished. So um, that's what I feel could help. I know for me, um, one of the things that I've always tried to work into is like step away from routine and call it a ritual. It's like for me, my night ritual is that I like to close up shop for the day. So in the morning, I make sure my bed is made up so that that's ready. When I, it's bedtime, I can go to straight to bed. But I like to clean up my desk before I sweep the house. Just make sure that like anything that I wouldn't want to wake up to and is in my way is already put away so that I can start the day afresh. And that's kind of like my nightly ritual before. That's because I've been craving that routine of like getting up, getting dressed, going to school, getting on the train. Um, so for me, this is like my closing out ritual. And if anyone else would want um, to speak to that as well, like I know for me, um, at, for my absence of Starbucks, I started to make my own coffee at home um, so I can, oh, the sun's back <laughs> where cats at. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I tend to make my own coffee at home. I'll make tea or like sometimes I'll go for like that walk around my block just to get that feeling of like, I'm going to like, I know my coffee's making at home. Let me do a quick run. So sometimes, you know, even coming up with like creative ways to you know, um, to supplement that absence of routine can also be uh, really important as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> so with that, our next question is directed to Lynn, and what are some ways that we have to support? So I think reaching out for support is so important, especially during, you know, quarantine, and we're all feeling more isolated. And I think really reaching out and connecting with friends and loved ones and even, you know, colleagues at work. I think this is really important 
And, you know, don't just give the regular, like, I'm fine answer when people say, like, how are you? It's important, especially now, to really let people know how you're really doing. You know, let them know if you're, if you're not, I'm not doing well, I'm having a bad day, or I'm struggling, or I need some support. It's so important right now because we're all definitely more isolated and we have less, you know, connection with people on a regular basis. And, you know, speaking of the energy that, you know, Lauren talked about, you know, we give, we get energy from other people too. And we're just not around as many people now, you know, and we're missing that energy that we used to get. We're colleagues, friends, and just hanging around people, you know, all the time. So, um, and also here at the, at Baruch, we have the Baruch College Counseling Center. So please reach out to us if you'd like some more support. Um, we offer free individual and group counseling, and that is through both a social justice and a trauma-informed perspective. We also offer um, a Black Mental Health Matters support group, and that's ongoing every week. So um, those all are on our, that information is on our website and how to get in touch with us. Um, we also have a lot of resources on our website. I mentioned the breathing already, but we have a lot of resources for coping and mindfulness as well, so please check them out. Um, information on different breathing techniques, relaxation, grounding, um, so many different techniques. And we also have hotlines and helpful apps, all sorts of things. So please check out our website. And then when you do go on our website, um, the best way to contact us is right at the center, there's an, a button that says make an appointment. And you can just click on that, put a little information in, and that goes right to us. Or you can email us at counseling at baruch.cuny.edu, and we'll get right back to you. And then, you know, we're available Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, but if you need support outside of those times, there's a wonderful hotline here in New York City called NYC Well, and they're available 24-7, 365, and they're available actually through phone, text, or chat, but their number is 1-888-692-9355, and, you know, they're there for any type of support, whether it's something small, you're just starting to feel worried or anxious or you're overwhelmed all the way up through someone maybe thinking about suicide or, you know, other more serious concerns. So um, they're available 24-7, and we're available for group students, and we hope that you, you know, reach out to us. So I just want to mention um, in the video is that uh, any resources you hear and all of our contendees' uh, contact information will be on the description for you guys to use. Um, so my next question is for Sandy. Um, how has your experience of working from home been so far? Um, and have you created any strategies or routines that help you be productive or more organized? Um, definitely it was challenging at first. Like it's very different switching from like an actual in-person setting where we like, have this routine of getting up, going on a train, commuting to, to school, whereas now like we get up from our bed like do our morning routine like in like 10, 15 minutes and then like go sit on like the computer every day and just looking, going through meeting after meeting. It's definitely a lot different and it's a lot more difficult for me at first, but I created a routine, I said, um, working like not in my bedroom, working in the living room just to like be like, oh, this is my set space where I'm going to get work done and I want to get all my work done before the end of the day, and that has helped me. And definitely using the calendars, Google Calendar, setting like reminders, putting like Zoom links in there, and be like, "You have class today," and like putting a lot of these reminders, telling me that I need to get stuff done. 
that definitely has helped me a lot. And also like being agenda, like agenda, like kind of going through like, oh, what I need to do today and like kind of just checking it out if I finished or not. And that, that definitely has helped me gone through like online schooling and digital, through the digital workspace. And I think um, it's been doing pretty well for me for that. Well, that's really great to hear. Um, our friend Yam Yu uh, also described, um, discussed a strange obsession with Google Excel sheets, which I cannot attest. I am really bad at Excel sheets, but I'm great. I'm glad that it's working for her. It's the ultimate way for her to keep track of all the materials instead of using a physical planner because they get misplaced very easily. Um, that's super great that um, people are finding out ways that work for them. Uh, I do want to always mention that, you know, this is a time for us to evolve, as Elise said, and a time for us to learn about ourselves. It's, you know, we shouldn't get too stuck in the, oh, this didn't work. I don't know what I'm going to do, but like learn and, you know, step into that I'll experience, oh, there's this one again, that experience of learning about what you like and what works for you. Because for me, Excel sheets is not it. But I mean, for me, writing it down on my to-do list and sticking it on my computer works better for me. So it's just about a learning what you're comfortable with, um, what boundaries you need to set, what boundaries you can't step over, and then what works for you to be your most productive self. And with that, the sun is really just shining on me today. Um, we do want to ask the entire panel, have you picked up any new hobbies while in quarantine? And if so, which ones are they? I think I mentioned already that um, I've been doing yoga. That's something that I started doing, which has been really great for me. And it also makes my and my work day on time because that 515, three days a week. So I'm like forced to end and put away my computer because I want to do yoga. Um, and I've also started to do puzzles, which is, you know, really fun and relaxing. So those are two of mine, plus, of course, the pacing around my house for 10,000 steps. Um, I, I started running. Yeah, so I got up and I, like, I've gotten my pace up really well. I could do, like, a 5K in under... Um, 40, 39 minutes now, 39 to 40 minutes now, so I'm proud of myself. And I have also uh, been making a lot of playlists, you know, like DJ Lease in the house, you know, so it's like the inner, you know, DJ me is coming out. And I have also, I had the time to, um, to do my writing. Um, you know, it's more of an active hobby, so we'll see where this hobby will take me. Who knows? Maybe a year from now I'll be published. So we'll see. Yeah, I think for me, um, I, like I said, I have been learning how to play piano. So that's been really fun. I finally have some use for it. It's been sitting here for like almost two years now. So my mom was like, take this time, you know, to, to start something new. So that's definitely one of the things. Um, I've also been playing tennis a lot more. So I played in high school. So I am able to, you know, just wake up early and like usually the courts by my house are super empty so I go with my sister and we'll play um I think also one thing I've been hopefully learning how to do which is like super out of left field but just learning how to braid my own hair I do not know how to braid my own hair <laughs> so 
I've just been like looking on like YouTube her videos and stuff and I'm like maybe I can learn how to do that and again super out of left field but it's something that I've been also like learning as well and I think I also wanted to emphasize because like for me I thought at the beginning like on Instagram everyone was like I'm learning how to do embroidery I'm learning how to do this and like I didn't know pretty much like not really something that I could be like I know how to do this so I remember just feeling like am I supposed to be doing something while in quarantine am I supposed to be doing this so it's okay if you have not learned anything if you haven't picked up a new hobby but definitely kind of like working with yourself and see what interests you like I know for me I'm also a huge like gamer so I've been playing a lot more video games now so kind of expanding on things that like bring you joy and now that we have more time you know incorporating that to your life so um yeah for me, it's definitely braiding here. <laughs> uh, I would say, I mean, funny enough, that's probably the only hairdo I know is how to braid my hair. <laughs> that's what I had before going into this talk. So, um, but it's good, good skill. My brother learned that too. So. <laughs> he, learned that, he learned it on me. Um, so, but yeah, the things I've been experiencing more is cooking. So I really love cooking. So, um, experimenting with different, um, cuisines from all around the world and also going back to the basics of what my family used to cook, you know, and kind of bringing those aromas and those memories back, um, doing more artwork for sure. And then I've been taking dowsing classes, which has been really interesting. Um, so that's been a new journey and uh, really exciting to explore. So those are some things I've been uh, experimenting with. <laughs> um, I actually think it's really interesting that you brought it up, Gabby, that, you know, not everyone has picked up a new hobby. Because I guess for me, um, it's not essentially a new hobby. It was something that I didn't have time to do while I was in school. Um, and it's picking back up reading. For me, um, I'm a really big reader. And it's a little difficult for me. every single time I talk. It's right back. <laughs> um, every um, when I was in school doing homework and stuff and writing papers, it's a little difficult for me to manage my time to read. The last thing I wanted to do was crack open a book like five minutes before I'm ready to read, um, before I'm going to sleep. So for me, with all this extra time, I've been able to really sit down and appreciate the books that I'm reading and absorb them a bit better. So this is something that I've really been enjoying. Uh, for me, um, definitely, like, near the start of quarantine, I definitely was, like, really experimenting with the cooking, like, really trying out new recipes and trying to, like, because I wanted to, like, try new, like, try different kinds of food since, like, I can't really go to a restaurant anymore or, like, have any outside food. I was just, like, let me just try, like, new recipes and, like, really, like, experiment with that, and that was really fun. I think it was really, like, I was always very excited to, like, make new recipes and, like, try something out, like, Oh my god, I'm gonna make this today. I'm gonna make like shrimp garlic pasta or like something else the next day. And that was really was really exciting for me and it just really got my mood up. And definitely um also pick up this other hobby of like knitting and crocheting. Like I just somehow learned it from the internet. <laughs> I was just like on YouTube one day and I just like learned it. I'm like, oh this looks interesting. And it's just like it's like a relaxing hobby. Like it definitely relaxes you and you you can just sit there and do it like all day. <laughs> it might be too bad to do it all day, but like it's definitely a relaxing hobby. I picked up. I think I want to learn how to knit. That's that's not like you know to be able to knit a scarf or 
a sweater or, or, or like mittens because then you see the fruits of your labor and then that'll be like a souvenir of like, you know, COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, I think I think for me, um, I've I've also been thinking about learning how to embroider as well. Kind of like at least what you were saying, kind of like seeing the the fruits of your labor. Because I know like it's super easy. And I was looking at it through like thank God the power of YouTube. You can just look up anything, how to, and there's like X amount of videos, so many. Um, so yeah, that's definitely yeah. I mean, knitting I heard is just super super like it's fun, it's relaxing, but it's also like really like meticulous because you have to like kind of angle your hands a certain way to get it in. But um, yeah, that's so that's awesome. I I love how we all have like different you know hobbies, and it's great to see kind of like all kind of come together. Um, I do want to share with uh with Yami uh what she said. Uh, she said uh that she does wool felting, which is you essentially stab wool with needles until it takes the form of the shape that you want to make so again super interesting um but yeah that that was that was a really nice uh really nice point to end on as well yep um so yeah last but not least for today's session as we are currently transitioning our programs or in the process of transitioning all our programs to virtual ones and elise is going to give you guys a quick um touch on all of our upcoming programs Yes, so we have in the future our virtual student health fair that will be coming up in December. And we are also going to be having our chair yoga sessions regularly. And look for any updates and look for any information in our newsletter that comes out. Uh, the latest one was mailed out this morning. It has some uh, tips on you know how to be healthy with the treats and if you want to be added to our um, mailing list just uh, send us a message email me and my email information will be available um, I'm sure on the on, on the page where this is uh, going to be posted and uh, we have diabetes awareness month coming up in November we also have um, a prep aware, um, pre a prep aware program as well as AIDS awareness in December. So uh, just stay tuned. Um, there are a lot of uh, virtual um, programming that is in the works. And with that, it was a really great session. Thank you so much for our guest speakers today. And see you guys next time on episode two of Bring the Virtual Balance. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Bring the Virtual Balance, a podcast by the Office of Health and Wellness at Baruch College. Follow us on Instagram at Baruch Pause. And we'll see you next time.